something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast, and I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ridiculous News is a production of iHeartRadio and Cool, Cool, Cool Audio. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Ridiculous News. Of course, we are all uh, still reeling from yesterday's mass shooting in Texas. So we wanted to address it at the top of the program before diving into our other stories. So last week, uh, we talked about the horrific shooting in Buffalo, New York, where uh, an 18-year-old slaughtered 10 people in a racially motivated mass shooting. Uh, And so, uh, unfortunately, we're here again with another very deadly mass shooting. Yeah. in, In Texas, at least 19 children and two teachers were killed. Uh, when an 18-year-old gunman opened fire in a Texas elementary school on Tuesday. And, you know, Mark, this just keeps happening. And as a country, we need to do something, anything, and yet nothing changes. Um, There's a lot of powerful thoughts about this. It's still fresh. If you haven't seen Golden State Warriors coach Steve Kerr talking about this, I highly recommend uh, to our viewers and listeners uh, watching his entire thoughts as it's just two and a half minutes And he talks about, you know, 90% of Americans want background checks, 90%. And yet we still have 50 senators who are holding legislation that passed the House hostage, um, basically because they care more about NRR donations and power than about kids dying and people dying. And honestly, it's pathetic because we as a country need to do something. We need to do anything to prevent these constant mass killings to prevent this two weeks in a row of us talking about this. You know, Bill, just to echo what you said about watching Steve Kerr's uh, talk that he gave at his press conference, you definitely, you know, see his passion that we're all feeling. And so it was nice to see someone use their platform to speak to that. And another thing that he said during his talk was saying, we can't get numb to this. And I feel that that was very important. We have to feel the hurt of this so that we keep trying to push for change that has not been happening. Exactly. And I think part of the reason we get numb is we see these people as numbers. They're delivered as numbers a lot. And, I, you know, last week we tried to put a story to these names of the people dead, you know, besides just hearing 19 kids in Texas, 10 people in Buffalo, 20 kids at Sandy Hook. You know, what if it was your dad or your mom or your brother or your sister or one of your kids going to school, grocery shopping, going to see a movie? And next time it could be. 
And we need to do more to prevent that from happening. And there was something that just came out, Mark, and Adeline, I believe I'm saying her name right, is the daughter of the woman that was killed in Texas, the the teacher, which 44-year-old Eva Morales. And I wanted to read what she wrote because I think it does a good job highlighting what we lose when we don't do anything about this. And here's what she wrote, uh, the daughter to her mom. To the half that makes me whole. Mom, I have no words to describe how I feel right now, tomorrow, and for the rest of my life. I never thought that I would be here writing this type of post for you. Mom, you are a hero. I keep telling myself that this isn't real. I just want to hear your voice. I want to hear you talking to our dogs with that silly voice you make so high that wakes everyone up in the morning. I want to hear you say, Nani's wake up already, man, because I keep snoozing my alarm. I want to hug you one last time, and I want to feel the calluses on your hands because you were not only a teacher during the day, but the most hardworking CrossFitter in the afternoon. I want to be able to get out of work and expect your call at 4.30 every day because that's the first thing you would do as soon as you got out. I want to see you sitting on the couch you claimed was only yours, sitting with our dogs. I want to send you TikToks and say them over and over until dad gets tired of us. I want to annoy you and wake you up from naps just so you can check on my chicken to make sure I didn't undercook it. I want to sing karaoke with you and hear you sing shine bright like a diamond in your loudest voice. I want to fight with you for the stupidest things and then laugh with you after. I want everything back. I want you to come back to me, mom. I miss you more than words can explain. My beautiful mom, thank you for the funniest memories. Thank you for the best times of my life. Thank you for being my best friend. Thank you for being the best mom anyone could ask for. You are so known by many now, and I'm so happy that people know your name and that beautiful face of yours, and they know what a hero looks like. I don't know how to do this life without you, but I will take care of dad. I will take care of our dogs, and I'll remember to say your name so you are always remembered. Eva Morales, fourth grade teacher at Robb Elementary who selflessly jumped in front of her students to save their lives. My heart will be forever broken. My best friend, my twin that was taken from me, thank you for loving me in the best ways and for raising me to become so strong. Everyone who knows you knows how outgoing and funny you were, and I will miss your laugh forever. I want to thank you, Mom, for being such an inspiration to me. I will forever be so proud to be your daughter. My sweet mommy, I will see you again. Thank you for sharing that, Bill. And uh, uh, we realized that that was a lot, but uh, we had to, you know, take a moment to, you know, recognize this moment that it happened. And so now uh, we're going to hop into the rest of the program. With amazing and crazy topics to pick and to choose, you are now tuned in to Ridiculous News. With interesting views on breaking the rules of broadcasting and all sorts of wild reports to keep us laughing. With funny off-brand upbeat journalism, the strange and unusual stories of what we give them. When it's all about ridiculous news everywhere, we talking about ridiculous news over here. Hey everyone, welcome to Ridiculous News, not your average news show. We cover stuff you didn't realize was news from the wild and funny to the deep and hidden to the absolutely ridiculous. I'm Bill Worley. I'm an Atlanta-based filmmaker. I'm a comedian. 
And uh, last night, Mark, I went to a Sum 41 concert, which, mm-hmm. I, you know, shout out to 2000 and 2001. <laughs> and it was a great time. It was really wild. And uh, it was such a good time. My friend Andy went into the mosh pit and he got immediately puked on all over his shirt. I, that's, that's, that's nasty. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was stinky. He had to take his shirt off. But, you know, luckily it, it didn't really make him stand out taking his shirt off at a concert. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, hey, everyone. I'm Mark Kendall. I'm an Atlanta-based comedian. And man, I got to tell you, uh, I made a good cup of Earl Grey today. So, you know, I'm just over here living wild. Just living wild. You know? You caffeinated. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Nice. Well, everyone, today is a weekly roundup episode where we're going to be discussing headlines that caught our eye recently. So we're going to start things off uh, with some ridiculous news nibbles, uh, where we'll be talking about a couple headlines that we found uh, pretty recently. So enjoy. So starting off, there's a study that revealed that the fish in South Florida waters are very high on drugs, Mark. Dozens of pharmaceuticals have been discovered in fish's blood and tissue, and they're being ingested by the fish through human waste. And these are drugs, Mark, from Valium to blood pressure medication to antidepressants to all kinds of uh, drugs that are getting into these fish. And the numbers are actually so alarming that scientists say that fisheries could disappear. Wow. So like no more, no more eating fish. Sounds like it's some wild, point, maybe. Yeah. They, they said, quote, we found pharmaceuticals everywhere and there was no place where basically a fish could be unexposed to pharmaceuticals. And that was a surprise. And that's from one of the scientists. Um, just wild, Mark. And, you know, I just think, oh, are you getting a ring? Looks like. Oh, yeah, I am. Are you okay if I take this call, Bill? Yeah, go for it. Go right. for it. Hi, hello. This is Mark with Ridiculous News. Hey, I'm a, I'm a grouper from Florida. I'm a grouper fish. Uh, hello, grouper fish from Florida. Thank you so much for calling on the show. How are you? You sound really mellow right now. Yeah, man. I've been, I'm on a lot of volume right now. And a lot of volume? Yeah, I, I just wanted to call in and, you know, uh, you know don't don't spoil my ride you know what i'm saying oh okay well listen i don't want to spoil your trip at all but you seem um well i just don't hear about grouper usually taking volume are you sure you're supposed to be taking that i don't know man but i'm gonna go say hi to these sharks over here real wait 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 no 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 I, i'm pretty sure sharks would love to eat you up you, you shouldn't go swimming towards them man mark i can't feel anything i haven't oh, no. felt anything for a year so i just want to feel alive no, and i no, feel like by going over to these sharks is going to make me feel something. No, listen, uh, Mr. Grouperfish. Hey, I I care about you and I just want you to be safe. And here's the thing. I think this volume that you're taking, what I've been reading about in this article, is changing the behavior of fish. And I think that it might be oh. affecting you. Oh, man. Really? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Wow. Yeah. Like- so if you go towards these sharks, it's not it's not going to end well. Wow. Okay. Well, I'm right next to them now. I just swim. Oh, no. oh, oh they need me. Oh, oh no. me. Oh, I, Mr. Groupie, I feel hello? alive. I feel alive. Oh. I feel alive. Tell all my little groupie kids I love them. I will. I will, sir. Thank you, Mark. Wow, that was really depressing. Wow. Wow. That at least they <laughs> felt alive at the very end. I, I'm I'm just trying to put yeah. a positive spin on the ending, but yes, you're right. That <laughs> that is sad. That's very sad. <laughs> uh I mean you know what, RIP grouper. And uh, I guess that's going to be having more and more. Right. Well, you know, Bill, transitioning from eating fish 
let's talk about eating cheese. So we came across an article, very interesting headline, uh, which is hip hop music, more specifically a tribe called Quest, makes cheese taste best, a study says. Yes. So this is a unique study out of Switzerland that finds that music can affect the taste of cheese and seems to indicate that hip hop music in particular uh, makes cheese taste best. So researchers at a university exposed five 22-pound wheels of a mental cheese to different kinds of music played on a loop for six and a half months, uh, 24 hours a day. So the songs that they played were Led Zeppelin's Stairway to Heaven, Mozart's Magic Flute, Mm -hmm. uh, UV by Vril, Monolith by Yellow, and Jazz, parentheses we've got, by A Tribe Called Quests. Uh, other cheeses were exposed to sound waves only uh, at different frequencies, but no music. And one was a control cheese exposed to silence. Good. Science. So researchers found that the music had an impact on the strength of the smell, taste, and flavor of the cheeses. What? A group of professionals participated in blind taste tests and oh declared that the cheese exposed to a tribe called Quest tasted best and they said it was significantly different from the other samples when it came both to smell and taste and my favorite piece of information from this article bill was uh researchers say more investigation should be done in order to confirm the results and gain a deeper understanding of exactly what is going on yes and i I was you know so interested by that bill that i actually kind of got some security footage uh, oh, showing great. scientists trying to get more research money to continue the most cush researching job I've ever heard of. <laughs> so we'll go it. there now. Yeah. Uh, hello, yes. Uh, we've done six and a half months of research study, but in order to really know uh, which cheese pairs best with which music, in order to verify the foundings, in order to verify the findings, rather, we're going to need more cheese. Uh, some wine would be good too, and we're going to need mm. lots more music. Yeah, I thank you for coming to the panel where we approve your funding. And, you know, this is a remarkable stuff you found out. Thank about. you. It, so much hard work. So much it, hard work. It, it is. But, you know, some of these things on the list for your next phase of research are concerning. It says that you want all of the vinyl to now be gold-plated vinyl. Yes, we found that if the vinyl is gold-plated, that's when the music sounds best. We can't be listening to some cassette tape or a CD or some uh, burned MP3 from whatever website. The, the music needs to be heard in its pristine condition. And actually, if the vinyl could be gold-plated, we could also have some like nice cush- cushions, you know, sofas, some throw pillows to really like lounge out as we listen yes. to it. There's a big West Elm budget. Is that for the couches and the and the cushions, it looks like? Yes, exactly right. We got a West Elm budget for some couches and cushions, uh, some, uh, some, some, some canisters and some bowls for charcuterie and other snacks and edibles. And it says you're, you need a Bentley to help drive the cheese around? Well, yes, of course. Like, cheese is best at, you know, different temperatures. And I found that if you put a cheese, the fancier the cheese is treated, the fancier the che- cheese will taste. And nothing's fancier than riding around in a Bentley truck with a wheel of cheese in the back seat. Listen, we have a lot of money, so I think we can make this happen. The one thing, so you want a masseuse to be massaging the cheese? Right. And take... 24 hours a day than just right that, that well, seems like a lot a lot of switching out 
you know what? I'm, I'm so glad that you brought that up. If you look a further down on the sheet, in addition to the masseuse for the cheese, there's mm-hmm. also a Pilates instructor for the cheese. There's also a, a, a voice coach for the cheese just to help with the cheese's elocution. Uh, there's also a tutor. We've enrolled the cheese in Princeton University with the, as a double major in English literature and film. So this is going to be highly educated, highly cared for cheese uh, in order to just make sure that the, the experiment is as, as foolproof as possible. Well, let me look around real quick at my colleagues because after all that, Mm. Sure enough, you're approved. Stamp. <laughs> Go make uh, it done. <laughs> I love Switzerland and I love science. Man, Bill, we got to switch careers, become scientists I know. in Switzerland. I sounded like one of those guys was an American, but you know what? That's You know fine. what? That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I know it was happening in Swiss. Maybe it's just right. the, one of the panel guys, mm-hmm. that panel guy sounded American. But yeah, wow. Holy crap. What a fascinating study. That's just amazing. In all honesty, yeah, super fascinating, yeah. Yeah, like, it's that it was significantly different. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. you know, and those taste testers, they know what they're talking about. Yeah. Wow. Um, so let me throw this at you, Mark. This is a different sure. story. Mm-hmm. So a Texas mom learned an important lesson about leaving her phone unlocked after her two-year-old son got a hold of it. Um, she said that <laughs> she saw her son playing with his with her phone and he likes to look at his reflection so she didn't really think a lot of it mm-hmm. but this time barrett her son didn't just stare at the reflection he starts pressing the screen swinging it around like quote his arm is a roller coaster <laughs> which i love then uh, mom received a notification that her doordash order was taking a little longer than usual which she felt was unusual because Although she sometimes ordered DoorDash for her two older children's lunches at school, that morning she packed their lunches, Mark. So she was outside playing with him on the porch, and a car pulls up, and she was like, quote, what? (laughs) So she went over to the car, and she gets out a giant McDonald's back and is like, 31 cheeseburgers? Did someone (laughs) order 31 cheeseburgers? And she, mom then realized he did this, um, the order total came to $91.70 and that mark is in part because Barrett left a really generous 25% tip <laughs> um, and uh, to shout out to McDonald's uh, that same week she and her son were invited to meet up with McDonald's staff they got to meet the mascots they got to take <laughs> photos they got some free chicken nuggets I love doesn't that. say anything about more cheeseburgers maybe they're right. tired of cheeseburgers <laughs> at this point um but kudos to that pr team for seeing gold when they could in mining it that's super funny i mean it's just like also the chances of a little tiny person pushing all those buttons and ending up with like a great order of food and tipping properly is right. like that's pretty amazing it's wild. They're young and younger. My my friend Kevin's son, who I think was two or three, he was grabbing my phone one time and just like started taking pictures and some very artistic black and white photos. <laughs> I was like, man, I would have not. You know, maybe they're artistic because uh, you know they're just the, the crazy angles he was using. But I was like, I don't think I would have known how to use a phone at that. Yeah, age, so. yeah. As a little three year old already is like, this is a good French New Wave vibe that you've created here. <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know? Yeah. We're going to take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsor. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes. 
that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, my name's Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. I never thought I'd take my three young kids to Sicily to solve a century-old mystery, but that's what I'm doing in my new podcast, The Sicilian Inheritance. Join us as we travel thousands of miles on the beautiful and crazy island of Sicily as I trace my roots back through a mystery for the ages and untangle clues within my family's origin story, which has morphed like a game of telephone through the generations. Was our family matriarch killed in a land deal gone wrong? Or was it by the Sicilian mafia? A lover's quarrel? Or was she, as my father believed, a witch? Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So we're going to kick things off with our main story for today. So earlier, Senator Bill Cassidy of Louisiana. Uh, Louisiana has the nation's second worst uh, maternal mortality rate. And so he was being interviewed and he had some terrible quotes <laughs> about, uh, you know, no. the maternal mor- mortality rates. He said about a third of our population is African-American. African-Americans have a higher incidence of maternal mortality. So if you correct our population for race, we're not as much of an outlier as it otherwise appear, Cassidy told Politico. So that is so ridiculous and absurd. And I mean, just how crazy that is, Mark. It's like saying, you know what? In Louisiana, we don't have as many car crashes if you just take out sedans. You know, if you don't count that. Or hey, in Louisiana, not as many people die if you just don't count cancer patients. It's so crazy and, you know, oh, I'm, it just makes me mad. Anyway, sorry. To yeah, know. there's a lot of different ways that you could look at these words for reasons that is damaging. I mean, mm-hmm. one, of course, is, you know, he's saying like, but if you ignore this group of people, 
<laughs> you know, yeah. it, it, it doesn't matter. And so there's that idea of erasure. But then also, in the words that he used then, he wasn't doing enough to give context as to why the numbers are the way that they are. And so part of the reason that, you know, I feel like it was important that we talk about this story today is regardless of what he meant to say, regardless if it was whatever, it's just like we have to be careful about how we use this language, especially when it centers around infrastructures or things that are affected by systemic racism. We have to be very careful about the words that we choose. Otherwise, by omission or by ignorance, all we're doing is kind of like perpetuating the same systemic racism that's causing these problems in the first place. So kind of saying like, you know, uh, black moms, they just die more without giving reasons as to why. Mm. It, to me, that's that just kind of makes the problem much worse. And so that's why I feel like when these things pop up, it's, it's important that we talk about and give proper context to like why these disparities exist rather than trying to say like, oh, well, if you just if you just kind of take this out of the equation, it's not a problem. And so right. that that's that's something that stuck out to me. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, talking about institutionalized racism and systemic racism, you know, some of the other points that our amazing researcher Casey pulled out to highlight exactly what you're talking about, Mark, is that, you know, the high mortality rate for black women is not some accident. It's intentional and has always been intentional. Systemic racism means the system was designed to give less access to health, less quality health care, less health insurance coverage, making the expenses uh, of healthcare, quality healthcare out of reach, and basically less of everything to black women. And to your point, Mark, when you act like it's a mystery or happenstance, or, you know, that's super dangerous. So it's an ongoing issue. And it's not just in Louisiana. Um, You see those disparities in things like uh, breast cancer survival rates with minorities and black women here in Georgia. Um, And there's you know, people might be familiar with the concept of a food desert. There's also that with healthcare, you know, less access to things like that and for all the things we just named. And so we need to recognize this problem and spotlight it and do everything we can to help fix it. And by that, I don't mean just saying we're not going to count black people, (laughs) (laughs) you know, in the stats. Yeah. You know, there was another article that Casey researched for us, and there were some helpful facts, I think, that give additional context to the situation in Louisiana, as well as New Orleans specifically. So, mm-hmm. for example, uh, in one article Casey sourced for us, this was a quote from it. So it said, in the 300 years since New Orleans was a French outpost on the Mississippi, uh, racist policies, scientific beliefs, and medical systems have fostered deep health disparities in the city. Public health officials once blamed yellow fever and tuberculosis on non-white people's supposedly criminal nature. Black neighborhoods were clustered in poorly drained areas and built on toxic landfills. For years after integration was federally mandated, Louisiana hospitals kept turning away black patients. And so that's just kind of like one example of how these disparities, they didn't just like happen by some mystery. These are things that were intentionally done, you know, meant, I mean, we're going back centuries. And so, yeah. you know, so if you're an elected official talking about these figures, you, you've got to give this context for people, you know, not just in this particular interview, but all the time, every time, you know? Yes. And, um, 
yeah, so that so that was uh, something that that stuck out to me. Yeah, it's really that ignorance that affects so many things. I think once people realize, like you said, this the systemic nature of this, the what you just read, Mark, like, oh, okay, this is why that disparity exists. If you don't give that context, you you get in a lot of Facebook arguments. I, I stay off of this. It does with people that are just like, well, what do you mean? You know, it's easy for me to go to the doctor. Why isn't it easy for everybody else? Well, and sorry to use the Southern accent. <laughs> There's plenty of... We're, I think it just happens there. naturally. We're both Southern and so I think... It yeah, yeah. But, yeah. you know, the, having that context is so important because not only does it help understand that disparity, but it helps us realize where we need to make changes. And diving back into that article, you know, in the wreckage left by Katrina, just thinking about New Orleans and Louisiana, there was a lot of healthcare structure that was broken uh, damages totaling one billion, uh, a big exodus of doctors. And you look at a lot of these disparities just in New Orleans. You know, New Orleans, uh, New Orleans, I should say, not <laughs> New Orleans, New Orleans uh, has so many charms: spicy seafood, swing and jazz. You got the Mardi Gras nights, um, but the consequences of its history are clear. You know, today Black New Orleanians are significantly more likely than their white neighbors to die from diabetes, cancer, heart and kidney disease. At 60% black, 35% white in terms of population. Uh, but three months into the pandemic, black people accounted for 77% of COVID 19 deaths, while white people accounted for less than 20%. So think about what that says in terms of access, in terms of, uh, you know, it's easy for some people to just hop in a car and go to a hospital because they have health insurance and they have a car and they have a job where they can leave. And if you don't have, just as one example, if you don't have those things, that's going to make it a lot harder. Incredibly more difficult, almost impossible. Yeah, and that's a great point, Bill. And um, if folks are interested in learning more, this is from a BuzzFeed article that we found, and it's on anatomy of racial reckoning. So if you want to read up on that more, you can. And uh, going back to a Politico article that was talking about Senator Cassidy's comments more, there was a quote from Veronica Gillespie Bell, who's a uh, medical director of Louisiana's uh, Perinatal Quality Collaborative and Pregnancy Associated Mortality Review, and, uh, and as well as an obstetrician at Oshner um, Health. They gave a quote that I thought was helpful. They said, race is a social construct. It is not a biological condition. To say that because we have a lot of black people in Louisiana, that's why our outcomes are bad is out of context. And so I thought that was another way to sum it up in a succinct way. Yeah. Another great piece of research that Casey got that really puts things into context is that in America, black babies have the highest infant mortality rate, women the highest maternal mortality rates, and men the shortest lifespans. Black patients are more likely than white ones to receive later stage diagnoses for some cancers, like we mentioned with breast cancer, less likely to receive needed pain treatment and specialty care referrals. And in efforts to narrow these disparities, black physicians and other providers are considered critical. Research shows that a diverse workforce is key to providing patient communication and that when seen by black doctors, black men are more likely to get preventative care and black newborns to survive. And, you know, that's, that's hard to hear, uh, you know, but it's the reality that we're in. And uh, I hope we can continue to, you know, help remove those disparities. Agreed. Yeah. And I think it's like recognizing those forces at work are what help you correct that problem. So again, just to 
speak one more to Senator Cassidy's words. It's like being with those words are so important, you know, because you got to acknowledge what you're up against. And so ignoring that context is, is pretty dangerous. Well, you know, Bill, speaking of a different type of health, or it's, it's, it's all health, you know, I, I don't want to sure. separate it too much. But, but like speaking of another type of health, like dealing with anxiety, uh, I thought you found uh, a great story about a creative we both really enjoy, Bill Hader. And what a great name he has. That first name, solid. Uh, Bill Hader. Uh, Bill Hader, uh, for those of you who don't know, was a member of Saturday Night Live's cast. He has a great show called Barry on um, HBO. He was a, a writer for South Park, all kinds of things. He's been all over the place. Um, one of those guys, if you don't know him, you look up his photo and you'll Im- immediately recognize him. But, you know, we, we were focusing a little bit on mental health, and uh, this is Mental Health Awareness Month. And Bill Hader's a big uh, idol for me or, or model for me for how he has talked about his own anxiety. And um, he mentions in this article that, you know, he had really bad anxiety his whole life. Uh, everything, he says, quote, everything from if I knew there was a big test to getting on school bus and doing that by myself, any one of those things, I just didn't think I'd be able to do it. And there was always a little voice in my head telling me, here's all the things that might go wrong. And as you get older, that sticks around. And so he says when he was in his mid-30s and officially tried to do something about it because it was affecting his job as a performer on television, um, (laughs) which he acknowledges for someone with massive anxiety, that's a pretty crazy job, Mark. Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine? No. (laughs) I mean, you hear all the time about how stressful that job is. So for someone that has just issues with anxiety, I can only imagine how, how stressful that must have been. Right. Yeah. And and he said what helped him was learning that that anxiety doesn't really go away. You just learn to manage it. And instead of pushing away his anxiety, he always imagined his anxiety as this little monster that would attack his face or pull it of his ears. And instead of pushing that thing away and trying to fight it, he'd just go, oh, hey there, little buddy. Like it was a little monkey. And I would just kind of go, okay, sit on my shoulder and let's hang out. Let's just chill out. And there it is. And he tells... A couple stories, Mark, that I thought were great, but um, one of them was, he does a great Lauren Michaels impression that Lauren was like, you know, you can be here as long as you want. Well, <laughs> you can you can stay here as, as long as you need to, just trying to reassure him. And he also recounts a story of being backstage at Saturday Night Live, and he was about to go on. He was an anxious wreck. His head was spinning, and he had asked for some coffee. And Paul McCartney was right next to him because he was the guest on the show, Paul McCartney, the famous Beatle, for those who don't know. Um, And Paul McCartney goes, you know, you know, you're just nervous. (laughs) And (laughs) Paul Hader said, what? And he says, you shouldn't be drinking. You drink coffee, it's going to just make it worse. Uh, You should drink some water and maybe a little tea, maybe. And Bill Hader said he was like, okay, Paul McCartney. <laughs> um, but that's so interesting because someone who obviously has been performing his entire life, uh, Paul McCartney, recognized the anxiety that Bill Hader had. And I've seen some behind the scenes things with Paul, and he always is talking to people about stage presence and getting over stage fright. Obviously, it's something he struggled with too at some point. And it's interesting to hear coffee and anxiety, Mark, because as you know, I stopped drinking coffee about six months ago, and I feel like my anxiety is a little better. I miss it. I love yeah, yeah. coffee. Love the yeah. taste of it. No dissing coffee, but yeah. Hey, I man, if you so. need a cup of Earl Grey, I got you. I know, I know how to do it. 
you know? So I got you. I need to try that Earl Grey. Yeah. Tea, Earl Grey, hot. So, Bill, I'm really excited to try this new segment called the Mental Health Minute. So this is the part of the show where Bill and I, we're going to take a moment to share a mental health tip that's worked for us, as well as maybe give you some encouragement to take with you for the rest of your day. Here's one, Mark. Take a nice warm bath and relax. Maybe throw some Epsom salt in there, some lavender. Spend some you time today. Yeah. Uh, you can tell someone that you're grateful for them. So, for example, Bill, uh, I'm grateful uh, for you, uh, not just uh, getting to work with you, uh, but I've learned so much from you about uh, like great communication skills. I think you're a great communicator, and that's something that I've really appreciated learning from you. I wasn't listening, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Mark, likewise, my life is infinitely better with you in it. I've learned so much about treating people well and communication from you. And this turned into a flower session for each other. But yes, <laughs> I am very grateful for you. And, you know, that gratefulness thing is great. And here's a little affirmation to our listeners. Put your energy into things that matter to you. Don't waste energy on the other stuff. Just do the stuff that matters to you. Uh, here, here's another quick affirmation. Uh, you can tell yourself, I'm going to take a small step today. So you don't have to fix everything or anything like that, but just be like, oh, I'm going to make one small effort today. I love that, Mark. That's something that I have to tell myself all the time because I get overwhelmed. But I'm like, if you eat that elephant one bite at a time, just a little bit. I also leave the elephant alone. I mean, maybe I was going to say, say <laughs> it, it was a very sincere piece of advice. So I didn't want to knock it, but I was like, also, you'd be an elephant killer, Bill. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm an elephant killer. <laughs> But no, I think that's a great that's a great way to phrase it though, for sure. We'll be right back with more ridiculous news after this short break. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, Well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes. That it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, my name's Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. 
It's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, listener. I'm Carol Fisher, the host of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister. I'm so excited for you to hear the brand new season where we're uncovering a 35-year-old mystery. But for those of you who didn't hear season one or just want to listen to it again, you can now get access to all episodes of that first season of The Girlfriends 100% ad-free through the iHeart True Crime Plus subscription, which is available exclusively on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get access to every single episode of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, ad-free and one week early, only available to iHeart True Crime Plus subscribers. So what are you waiting for? Head to Apple Podcasts, search for iHeart True Crime Plus, and subscribe today. You are now tuned in to Ridiculous News. All right, Bill. So this next storyline, pretty interesting. We both like writing. We both like writing scripts. So I'm curious to see what you think about this. So there's a headline saying, Google AI wrote a real, in parentheses, really good, uh, in parentheses, Stargate episode script. So as Venture Beat reports in June of last year, Stargate co-creator Brad Wright asked on Twitter, could a world-class AI write a hashtag Stargate script interesting enough for the show's stars to perform a reunion. So this was put out over Twitter. Uh, and then uh, Lawrence Maroney, who is an AI lead at Google, took on the challenge. And so the first try at the script uh, was pretty good, but there was a lot of gibberish. So then Maroney made some tweaks. And so then in, in certain types of tweaks. So for example... Uh, they used a universal sentence encoder, um, and that helped with semantics uh, and other things to avoid gibberish and making a more, you know, legible script. Mm-hmm. So then a script came through, and apparently it was pretty, it was pretty good. And so some of the feedback from Wright was that apparently, you know, it's not as good as human write- writers, but this is like a first attempt because other versions of AI, for example, maybe weren't able to beat human chess players, but now you have AI that can beat chess masters. So it's kind of wild and crazy, but it seems like AI has the ability to kind of eventually learn how to tell stories and write scripts, which is pretty wild. Mark, I've been meaning to tell you something is I am AI. I am actually an AI. I hope that that's not too much of a... I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Oh, but, well, I, I, I wasn't sure. I, I know. I, I I saw your concern. and I, I was concerned. <laughs> I didn't... But how scary is that? I mean, you thought the creative jobs would be the last ones on the chopping block, but maybe not. Um, yeah, I, I'm curious to... I mean, of course, this is still a few steps away, but I'm kind of curious if we were in a world where AI bots were writing scripts I'm curious how, what humans would have to do to create a style that was different from that of a computer, you know, to kind of keep right. forming your own thing. That's that's kind of where my brain goes. But yeah, really fascinating that this is even possible today with this Stargate script. 
It's it's yeah, it's nuts. And um, you know, there's been and, and Mark, we were talking about this before the show. There's some amazing scripts that I've seen that were written by AI that are terrible, but also hilarious. Which this starting date script might have ended up that way, but in particular, there's some that are incredibly terrible and hilarious. And I believe um, the guy who's creating them is Keaton Patty. I hope I'm saying that right. And um, he's forced a bot to watch thousands of hours, for example, of The Office uh, and wrote a little script. And so, Mark, um, we thought maybe we could uh, perform this for our audience. Love it. All right, Mark, you want to be Michael? Sure. So we got The Office, Interior Dunder Mifflin Orifice. <laughs> this is the <laughs> script the bot wrote. Michael, the regional man, talks to workers. Michael is not overly smart, but he is overly Michael. It's very Scranton. <laughs> we sell paper. Paper is the hair of tree. I just talked to the trees. They said they won't give us more hair. This is bad. We sell paper. Dwight stands up. He is dressed like a sword. Dwight says, I have killed the tree before, and I shall kill them again. Solved. <laughs> we zoom in on Jim. Jim has a face. Michael says, invalid. Dwight, stop being Dwight. Dwight remains being Dwight. Creed, the intern of oldness, raises his hand. Stanley sighs. Kevin chillies about. Creed says, in 1977, I was a tree. You won't win this. Let's all just steal mops. Toby walks into room, handing out stacks of depression. Toby says, Toby. my email said in this meeting was decapitated. But here it is, full of heads. Why lie to the Toby? Pam, the lady Jim, paints Toby out of existence. The workers cheer and Michael promotes Pam. She is now Phyllis. Michael says, I declare we sell paper. Dwight is now a tree. He has done this through farming. <laughs> tree Dwight says, I am a hard noble oak. Have all my people's hair, sensei. Dwight hands Michael a jello full of paper. <laughs> I love that script so so much. And and again, if you thought that was funny, follow at Keaton Patty on Twitter. They've done a lot of stuff with bots, apparently. I I, I don't it's know. And, so funny. and they're and they're very funny them, themselves, you know. So yeah. uh I thought Bill, I thought this was a great find in just terms of like using comedic bot language to put together scripts. I thought this was really funny. Yeah, and, and there's a whole book. He's got a book on Amazon. If y'all want to check that out, all kinds of fun stuff. Just yeah. really absurd. Well, that brings us to one of our favorite segments, which is the Spring of Inspiring Inspirations. And today we have a quote by Dan Millman. You want to do that, Mark? Absolutely. The quote is, you don't have to control your thoughts. You just have to stop letting them control you. And again, that's from Dan Millman. Good stuff as always. Thank you so much for tuning in to Ridiculous News. We love spending time with y'all, and we look forward to it every week. Yes, thank you so much. And if you want to stay in touch with us, you can. So you can email us at ridiculousnews at iheartmedia.com. You can also follow us on social media at Ridiculous News on Facebook and IG. You can also check out our comedy videos at Mark Kendall Comedy on IG, TikTok, and Facebook, as well as at Kendall Comedy on Twitter. Much love, y'all. See you soon. Bye.
Ridiculous News is hosted by Mark Kendall and Bill Worley. Executive producers are Ben Bolin and Noel Brown. Produced and edited by Tari Harrison. Research provided by Casey Willis. And theme music by Four Eyes and Dr. Delight. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.